Hi guys, so welcome to yet another episode of Amplis, the startup show, which is presented by Amplis. And today's Web Summit edition, we have a very special guest over here, and his name is Mr. Brian Handrigan, who uh, is the co-founder and CEO of Advocado, which is one of the uh, startups which was been listed in the Web Summit. So he's here to share his uh, thoughts, and share his experience at the Web Summit, and also what is Advocado and what are their plans ahead and what all the milestones. So we have a very interesting guest. So let's directly dive into the conversation because I'm really uh, glad. Thank you, uh, Brian. Uh, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. Awesome. So how, how's your day? It's going great. We, you know, we've kicked off our morning, had our okay. daily huddle, and just had our, our weekly leadership meeting. So uh, off to a strong start. I guess all the updates uh, for the Web Summit has been done, all the follow-ups has been done, or still it's going on? Uh, it's still going on. It, it, it was a really good show for us this year, definitely. Okay, please dive into it. How was the experience? Let's say, let's uh, start with the day one. Well, so, so I want to actually take a second, if it's okay, to kind of lead in. Uh -huh. Right. So, so day one was phenomenal. Um, I actually had to, to leave early. And, and so my co-founder stayed, uh, stayed around right, right past me. But um, our relationship with Web Summit really started about 18 months ago. Okay. When we, uh, before we ever launched our product, uh, we were at the Collision Conference as okay. an alpha company. So it's really exciting to be experiencing Web Summit as a growth company. Uh, for those that don't know, Web Summit has, has really three levels of startups. You have your alphas, your, your really tiny early companies. Yeah. You have your betas when you're starting to get some traction. Uh, and then you have your growth companies that, that are really out there doing a, a bit more stuff. So it's, it was really rewarding for us to be a, a big web summit in Lisbon as a growth company yes. and obviously as a, um, as a showcase startup. Yes. So, uh, so with that all being said, uh, it, it really created a, a different opportunity for us, uh, a lot more strategic, right? As an alpha, you're just out there. Um, yeah. and, and, and so as a growth company, it gave us a, a really good chance to be a little more thoughtful okay. uh, to think about investors that we wanted to meet with, to okay. think about potential partners we wanted to, to go with and obviously working the floor. So our day on the floor with our booth was on the first day and we had great traffic come through. Uh, but really, I think the most meaningful were, were two different areas. One, uh, we launched our company in the U.S. and in North America. And we have a lot of interest in expanding beyond our borders. Uh -huh. And our, our patented technology works in other countries. So it was really important for us to continue those dialogues. Okay. And so, so where we had some conversations a year ago at Web Summit uh, when we were a beta, uh, this year we, we had a bit more meaningful, but also we're actually going through the process uh, with, with some investors. So I think a lot of startups will go to a show like Web Summit uh, they're a bit uh, haphazard in how they approach things, and they hope some investor is going to swoop in, find them on the floor, and then next thing you know, they're getting an investment. And, and I think one bit of advice is things really don't work that way. <laughs> I guess it takes its right? time. Uh, absolutely. It, 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 not only does it take time, but it takes, it, it's important to understand where your startup or your company yes. fits in the investment strategy of a potential investor and how they can bring more, more value than just money. And, and I know as we were talking earlier, right, there, there was a, uh, the, the question you had, what kind of advice right, would we have? And I think this is right where I'm gonna call the, you know, the value item number one, hopefully of this talk is, if you're a startup out there, um, really understand and be strategic where, uh, where you fit for investors. 
Okay. Um, are they investing in your stage? Uh-huh. Are they investing in your sector? And then more importantly, start creating a relationship with them, uh, you know, early on. And don't do it just, uh, just off the, uh, you know, on a floor at a conference. Okay. So uh, looking into other people, so like there were only very few uh, growth companies. So how uh, was your experience uh, when it comes to an investor? Like, uh, uh, like you said, there was like investor cafes, investor meetings. So how uh, did it went through? Like, uh, did, it was was it a positive response? And also the pitch, how was it? Uh, it was definitely a positive response. Again, one of the things that we did up front was we investigated the different potential investors that are going to be there. <laughs> okay. All the ones where we had a good fit. And uh-huh. so, you know, we didn't have a hundred percent because some folks are only investing in a uh-huh. specific geographic region. Yes. So we're, you know, if we're not a startup, um, you know, in Paris and you have a, right. And you have a Paris oriented uh, investment group, that's okay. Um, and it's important to learn about that. So in general, we had a really positive experience and then the pitch went great. Uh, my co-founder, Jeff Linehan, uh, did that. What's, what's really great uh, about having a, a co-founder in our case where we've been business partners uh, for 10 years, uh, we know each other really well. Uh, we understand that, um, you know, if I can't do a pitch, he can do the pitch. And if he can't do the pitch, I can do the pitch. It, it's a it's a big win versus being, say, a solo entrepreneur where you're always having to, to try to be 100% to everything. Because the reality is, right, we can never be 100% of everything. Exactly. So, uh, my question, like, it's a fun, like, uh, going to be a fun question. Like, how do you explain uh, Advocado, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, in a short pitch? Like, how, what was your sure. pitch for uh, the Web Summit you have prepared? Sure. So, so here's, here's how we would, we would quickly describe it, uh-huh. right? So advertisers are constantly fighting to get uh, sh- sh- ever-shrinking attention spans of consumers' attention, right? Yes, yes. Um, so, so whether, you know, they're on their phone doing something or they're, they're watching TV, you know, attention spans have shrunk, shrunk, shrunk. And there's yeah. only a small window of time when even the, the, the consumer even cares about the message. That's a lot like an avocado, right? If you've ever made avocado toast or made guacamole, avocados aren't ripe except for a very small window of time. Okay. So like avocados only being ripe for about one day in their entire life, Consumers have a very small attention span. Yes. And what we have is a technology platform that helps connect advertisers uh-huh. with audiences or consumers during the most likely windows okay. when those audiences are ripe and they want to hear their message. So we're better for, for consumers and audiences because they're only getting messages, hopefully, that they care about. Okay. And it's much better for, uh, for the advertiser because they're able to use signals, say in the physical world, like their TV ad running or a competitor's TV ad running, trigger adjustments, say, to their Google search campaign or to their Facebook or Instagram, right, or Snapchat campaign, so that when people are on their second screen devices, they're getting an enhanced message so that if they choose to engage, that advertiser gets a much more qualified response. Okay, so uh, is is there any one classic example which you can give Sure. So uh, a classic example uh, that, that we give is say for, um, in, in the States, right, we have some uh, for-profit higher education. Okay. So uh, there's a for-profit university we work with that is marketing two-year nursing programs. Okay. Right? Not everybody is looking to sign up for a two-year nursing program. Yes. Uh, but it's so hard to find that they run television ads. Okay. But the 
But those television ads are enhanced with us going in and making adjustments to say the Google search campaigns. Okay. So that we can coordinate changes in those search campaigns when the TV ad is running. So for example, if their TV ad is running in Miami, uh-huh. uh, when that TV ad starts, our platform gets a notice okay. that that's running in that local TV market. We turn around, connect to their Google ads campaign and ask Google to tell us for the 500 keywords they care about, what that advertiser needs to bid to be the best cost per click bid. Okay. We make those changes. So before anybody, while they're, for those people seeing the ad, uh-huh. before they go, oh, this is interesting, and then they reach for their phone to learn more, okay. we've already changed the Google Ads campaign. Oh, got it. And so, yeah, so we're harvesting all that intent. Okay. And we do it for a two-minute micro moment. Okay. So this isn't about 15, 30, or even 60-minute campaigns. We go in and we make very small changes for very small amounts of time. So basically, uh, at that, uh, people will be much more interested to based on what keywords they search or uh, let's say what their interests are into. So based on that, uh, you will personalize and uh, uh, showcase the uh, advertisements by Google ad services and all. And, and that's one platform, but we go beyond. Yeah, so if they happen to be on Facebook okay, and, and they're in the geography or and they're in the target market of the advertiser, we're going to push a Facebook paid ad. Oh, oh, okay. At the same time. So whatever they're doing on the second screen during those moments when it's more likely uh-huh. that there's highly interested people around, uh-huh. we help that advertiser connect with more of them. Oh, great, great, great. Uh, that's uh, really futuristic, but it's very interesting. <laughs> and, it's a lot uh, of fun. And what's really great is once we're set up, um, and, and this is actually a kind of another lesson, right, for, for young startups. Okay. Um, when Jeff and I um, really got into Avocado, the, it's one thing to have, a, have, a, have an idea that you think is really powerful. Okay. It's another thing to make it easy for people to buy. Yeah. So we're software as a service, but it was important for us to understand every step of the process and how um, an advertiser makes a decision and who they have to talk to and the okay. agencies that are involved. And so we pulled all that together and we said, how do we make this so easy that with one yes, and then two, two people going, yes, ma'am, right? I'm gonna do what you want. We can be up and running in a matter of days. And so we did that. And so, you know, deploying our technology while it's um, highly complicated in what we do, we don't make it difficult for the advertiser or the agencies. So we can be up and running in days. And once we're operating, we just operate in the background. Okay. And we just, you know, we, every time in this case, when we're doing television, Every time the TV ad comes on, we amplify. At the end of the two minutes, we bring it all back down and we just up and down, up and down, and the campaigns just get that much more effective. Okay. So who is uh, the target audience for uh, Advocado? So uh, we have a couple of different ways we look at our target, right? We, we really have three prongs to our go-to-market strategy. The most obvious are direct advertisers, right? So okay. people that are advertising, on television and online, or if their competitors are advertising on television and they're advertising online. So those are very clean. Uh Um, And we have our folks and our sales team going after those advertisers. Okay. Um, But again, here's another lesson, right? For startups, understanding distribution channels. Okay. So, right, it's great if my salespeople and our salespeople can go out and talk to people, but what if we can create salespeople in other companies? And so, 
one of the things that we really help are the traditional TV advertising industry. Because all of a sudden that intent that those TV ads create is being amplified. And so we have a, a second uh, go-to-market strategy working with TV stations and networks uh -huh. and cable and satellite systems where they're creating new types of ad units that are powered by our technology. Oh, oh, okay. They're selling it to their customers. Yes. And then lastly are the advertising agencies that help, help advertisers, you know, that essentially sit in the middle between the advertiser and the, uh, uh, the TV state. Okay. So That's we looked at a way to get to all three. Okay. That's uh, like way too much of technology is coming in from every part. And uh, just to uh, ask out of curiosity, how yeah. did you start from zero to a stage, uh, to a growth stage? So how was the journey yeah. and uh, what all things you have done to reach yeah. that growth stage? <laughs> well, one of the really big things was we didn't rush to market. Uh -huh. uh, you know, Jeff and I, uh, back my, my co-founder Jeff, back in 2017, uh, we left our last startup, which is still operating. We brought in an outside CEO okay. um, and we were ready to start building again. And this was one of the ideas we were looking at. And it's one thing to have an idea. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs go, I have an idea. It's so obvious. Everyone's going to want to buy it. It's going to be great. And then they go in and they start building product. Okay. Uh, what we did was we identified what we had to do for a minimum viable product. And this was not pretty. It was not a sexy technology. Yes. But we said, okay, it's one thing for us to believe it's going to be powerful. It's another thing to have data. Okay. And so we built out our, all right, our minimum viable product and we found a customer willing to test with us. Okay. And when we did, we had goals. We said, if, if our test achieved X amount of performance, which was a 30% increase in click-through rates, right? During the test, then we should go ahead and raise the money to build out a platform. Okay. And fortunately for us, um, so back in actually about this time, two years ago, Okay. Right. We ran our, our minimum viable product test oh. and we uh, exceeded our, our targets significantly. We were hoping for a 30 percent increase in click through rates, which for digital search marketers is a big bump. Uh -huh. um, after three weeks, we'd increased click through rates by 98 percent. So we nearly doubled the click through rates. So we were very happy. Uh, but the other part of it was we had to understand why it was so much better than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. And so we ended, we, we got into researching where our flaws in our, in our minimum viable product were. Yes. And so we did that. We built out our product for most of 2018. Okay. And then we launched out of beta. So we had some, we had very small amounts of revenue during 2018 up to September. Uh, but when we launched into market in mid September, uh, you know, we, we started generating revenue, uh, generating revenue almost immediately. And so we've just been in market a little over a year. Um, and this month we're going to exceed a million ARR. And, and so for those, right, so it's a million in, right, in annual recurring revenue, uh, a big benchmark for SaaS startups normally takes about two years to get there. And what was important for us was that we had a clear understanding of the market. We started conversations with folks even before we came out of beta. Um, and we also took the time to, to participate in important industry conferences. So we launched at Demexco, which is the, the digital marketing expo and conference in uh, Cologne, Germany, right? So again, we, while we were in the US, we launched in Germany because they were gonna be the right people to talk to. 
We participate in the National Association of Broadcasters in the US. And so, as well as things like Web Summit and Collision, which gave us different areas of awareness in the marketplace to make it easier as we built out. So these are things, I think a lot of times as startups, you go, I'm gonna do maybe this local conference because it's easier to get to. And the reality is the larger national or international conferences help set you apart uh, versus the folks that, you know, that are all within a, a 10 mile radius of your office. Great. So uh, this uh, 1 million ARR, first of all, like congratulations, like uh, you're going nice. to achieve that milestone. So I think we, we will have a very separate conversation on this specifically, like how did you like, we can break it down, like how, what all process you have done. Like, I think it includes product market fit by, you know, uh, uh, during your MVP stage, you, uh, one of the clients uh, came to, uh, to you people and you guys tested it down and both, mm -hmm. both, uh, went, you doubled uh, the click-through rate. So these are something uh, really would like to understand, would like to learn. So that will be a separately different topic because it's going to take a huge time. And uh, like we know, the conversation doesn't stop. Uh, so I don't yeah. want to ask that question because if I ask, it will take a huge time. I will ask a lot of questions. So we'll have a separate discussion on that, guys. Okay. Uh, so uh, it, it's pretty interesting to know since uh, considering another factors, like uh, there might be a lot of competitors. Like let's say uh, even uh, these days uh, when I'm going to YouTube, are uh, going to uh, Facebook, even I'm getting too much of, uh, you know, um, contents that's relevant for me, like it gets relevant. And smartphone has become the core device for any youngsters, any millennials or any people across. So how are you going to disrupt uh, these uh, technologies and going to, you know, how, how are you going to disrupt or who are you going to disrupt in the coming years? So what's really interesting is what, what we're disrupting is, is really um, a, a black hole that's existed in uh -huh. advertising, right? So when we think of um, the advertising technology landscape, uh, for those that don't know, right, there are a lot of similarities to financial markets. Yes. Right, yes. because what happens in advertising technologies is you have seller side platforms, right, where you have inventory and you're selling it, kind of like on a commodity exchange. Yeah. You have buyer side, right, or demand side platforms that go ahead and execute transactions. And then you have kind of portfolio management tools, right? Like the campaign management tools, like a Kenshu or a Marin that help you balance your budget. Okay. What's been missing in advertising technology that has existed in financial markets is the idea of low latency trading. And for those that don't know, low latency trading is simply um, um, artificial intelligence and speed of systems that predicts somebody's about to buy this stock and they're willing to pay X, we're gonna come in and buy it for two, you know, two pennies, a share less. And so they, they essentially they arbitrage the buying and selling on the markets. Okay. So in ad tech, we liken ourselves to an arbitrage platform for intent. Okay. We, we collect signals in the physical world that tell us that there's about to be intent Okay. And then we go in and so we're, we're complementary. We're not disrupting the existing platforms. We're more complementary to them where we go in and we make ahead, we go ahead and make real time changes so okay. that the advertiser can actually connect with more people faster. Okay. It's like uh, integrating with the existing technology or collaborating with the existing technology. Exactly. exactly. It's one of the reasons why, whether it's, you know, folks um, here in the States, like a, um, like a large TV network or even Google, 
they don't see us as a competing product in their world. And actually we're, we're working on partnerships with folks like that because we make everything in the ecosystem work better and more efficiently. Okay. So uh, just uh, out of curiosity, just uh, one question, very honest. Like, uh, are there any competitors for this uh, particular uh, product or service you are going to develop or is it just you people has started? No, you know, it's interesting. And here's another little right, tidbit for folks in the startup world. I think a lot of times uh, when you're building a startup and you're doing something slightly differently, you're yeah. thinking, oh, there are no competitors to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Investors, frankly, don't want to hear that there are zero competitors because it might tell us there's not a market. Yeah. Right. So we have a lot of indirect competitors, right? Anybody buying and selling, yeah. right, is a competitor of ours. Um, there are there are a handful of competitors in what I'll call the pure television sync side of things. Yeah. Um, but in order to make that work, you need to have a lot of scale and you need to have a lot of speed. Um, and we actually monitor, you know, one of our competitors monitors eight TV markets in the U.S. And, and for those outside that, that aren't aware, right, we have 210 local TV markets across the United States in every kind of major city and even minor city. So when you're only monitoring in eight markets and there are 210, yeah. right? You don't have a lot of coverage. And yeah. so we monitor all of those markets. Okay. And so while there are a handful of competitors that have, been, that, that, that have done things differently over the last few years, um, our product puts us in a really competitive and compelling position against them. Okay, so uh, what was the biggest challenge uh, you have faced uh, as a startup founder uh, in this journey? Yeah. Um, in this journey, you know, yes, well, one, like most, right, there's always cash management, right? You know, <laughs> money is always a challenge. Um, it's getting better. Okay. But, um, but besides that, I think a lot of times the big challenge comes down into really realizing what you have. Okay. So when we founded the company, we thought we had a really interesting television synchronization product to search. And that, but as we talk to folks, and again, this is what's important about getting out early. Uh -huh. We were talking to folks and people would ask us questions and it would get us to think about that, think about those questions. What we realized is we had something that was much bigger than syncing Google search ads with television campaigns. Okay. What we had was this arbitrage engine. Okay. And that it, it's about collecting signals and building, right, um, machine learning models on how to get ahead of intent. Okay. And when we rethought that and actually put up a, a four pillar product roadmap strategy together, it made it a lot easier for my, my engineering and product teams to, uh, to build product, even when right, Jeff and I are on the road at conferences, right? So another challenge is just proximity. In order to get the word out, which is important, that means you're not back at the office. Yeah. And, and we, we made a very conscious choice and we grew our team. You know, uh, we're 15 folks now. Right. And, and so a lot of times people try to do it with two or three people for a long time. And that's one way to do it. Okay. Uh, we chose to take the road where we wanted to have disciplines and expertise throughout the organization. Um, and also not being afraid to hire somebody that just comes out of the woodwork. Uh, we brought in our chief revenue officer. We had no intention of hiring her to, to be that. Uh, we just met her. We wanted to collect some, you know, we just wanted to get to know her. And in the process of doing that, um, we realized she was somebody that we needed to have on our team. Okay. And so we found a way to have her join. Oh, great, great, great. So uh, like you said, it's a team of 15 people. So it's completely boost, uh, bootstrap company, right? No, we've raised the money. No, <laughs> no, we, well, we, 
we, we've raised um, currently uh, about two and a half million so far. Still not a lot for a team this big. Uh, we're raising, you know, we're, we're finalizing a little bit. And our, our plans, let's say, over the next six months are as we um, exceed through from one, hopefully to two to three or four million ARR, um, along with being cash flow positive, uh, we'll then actually look to raise a fairly significant Series A so that we can uh, scale the business uh, in a very meaningful way. Okay, so that's the next six months milestones you're looking ahead. Yep, I, I, I knew you were going to ask, so I figured I'd help. <laughs> that's great. Like uh, you already thought uh, everything ahead. So that's great. Even my questions also you have thought ahead. So that's great. <laughs> it's great. Like uh, it's a very wonderful conversation, uh, Brian. Like, uh, um, like you uh, had the concept is really interesting. Uh, but just uh, uh, like uh, just wanted to ask, like data is always a challenge, right? Like uh, considering a uh, business like this. So how are you going to, uh, uh, you know, consider data? Is data a big challenge for you or uh, uh, it's like a you know, piece of cake or something like that? No, I mean, interestingly, uh, so data, we have, we have to collect lots of data. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, and, and it's actually important. So for example, let's, and, and we're also very um, concerned about privacy. Yeah, yes. Right. So when, so what a lot of times people assume when I mention we're synchronizing, right, ads on, on their mobile phone yeah. with stuff that's happening on their TV that I'm listening on their phone. And we are not. We actually use market-based systems that are, so we have computers watching TV 24 seven and okay. they're collecting this data and we're using it. Um, but as a result, we end up collecting lots of data. Okay. Right, I mean, I can't even tell you, right, how many billions uh, or now trillions, right, of records that we have because we're also, track we have a website tag to track what happens on the website so we do our best and again if we're right in europe ip address is now a protected so asset so we, we worry and we think about that a lot okay but um we've had to refactor our systems based on data right so here we are a year from launch and before we were six months in our, we sat down with engineering and uh, we had to change we were writing directly into our data store and we had to change and use streaming services. And I think that's also a really important thing is to think about, you know, not just what happens if, if your product doesn't take off, but yeah. especially from the data side for startup founders, what happens if your product does take off? Yeah. How are you, you know, what are the downside implications of your, of your system slowing down? How do you get around that? How do you think about that? How does that affect cost, yeah. right? Because we use, we're an AWS shop. So, right, we, we spend a lot of money every month on AWS. Um, and it's important so that we can have that solid infrastructure. Okay, that's a pretty broad answer. Like, uh, since uh, data has becoming a little bit of serious uh, news across everywhere, so I was just curious, like, what kind of process or what kind of uh, technology you all have been implementing. It's pretty well, great. So, um, and I can see a very great uh, team working all together uh, for a wonderful product, uh, Advocado. And I wish you all the best uh, for the coming milestones, all the aspirations ahead. So uh, it was, uh, so like uh, you have already mentioned the advices. Okay, so uh, like about don't look for direct investors or uh, let's say uh, you spoke also about, you know, um, look for the channels or look for how to distribute it. So uh, great advices. So. Uh, would you like to just brief all, all the advices together? Yeah, yeah. I, I think if we're going to put it down, right, um, 
while you know I did mention that money right is also an important yeah. part. Yes. Um, I, I think I think it's important for startup founders to remember that not every dollar or euro invested is the same. Yes. Right. And making sure that there's strategic value and and not just dollars if you can help it. We we understand there are times, but that's important. I think the other part is. Um, start slow, then act fast, right? If you think about our journey, we took a lot of time in building out our minimum viable product and validating it and then building our product. But once we launched a year ago, we've gone really, really heavy on the gas pedal. Okay. Right, to, to go. So, right, start slow, but then, then, then move fast. Nice. I think it's important once you've, once you've built your product. Okay. Um, and, and I think lastly, it was just, you know, understanding the implications of your systems if you do succeed what does that mean from a data, from a structure, from a storage, from a compliance, right? In, in, in our world in ad tech, uh, fortunately, we don't sell third-party data. Our systems are first-party data repositories for our customers. And that was a choice that we made. Okay, okay, great, great. So, um, thank you. Uh, thank you so much, Brian. So, uh, for a really, uh, it's, it's like a really an honor to have you in the show. So, thank you. Okay. Uh, I hope everyone, Really love this, and I'm pretty much sure to get your your feedbacks as well. So Brian is very uh, open, and so we connected through LinkedIn. I just reached out to him to share his experience, and it was uh, it was like wonderful. I'm sure I would definitely would like to uh, you know share the experience. And there you go. That's the experience of Advocado and the co-founder Brian Handrigan uh, himself, uh, uh, like sharing his experience with us. I hope everybody enjoyed the show. And uh, I, I would also, uh, Brian, like I said, we have a lot of other conversations going to come because after six months, Advocado uh, will be in a, another stage, let's say a multi-billion dollar company. So you have a very different story at that point of time. So we would also like to hear that stories, upcoming stories. Sure. So I'll be all here uh, and uh, would like to also hear about the, how did you break down the ARR uh, like uh, how did you actually process it uh, from the MVP stage? What are the steps? Because these are very critical for the, uh, the startups out there to learn, to understand. So uh, it was great. Thank you so much uh, for being in the show. No, ha happy to do it. I, I think, you know, we'd love to talk about ARR and, and kind of revisit in a few months. And I think what would be really great uh, because right, I don't do this alone right, uh -huh. in, in a vacuum that uh, I don't know how you do that, but I think it'd be great if you had both Jeff and I on, because he and I really do own and, and kind of lead different aspects of the company. Okay. Um, and I, I think co-founder uh, chemistry is, is important for all startups to learn about. So yes. I think it'd be cool if the two of us came on. Great. So it's like a great partners out there. Yep. <laughs> so right. it was uh, really great, Jeff. Uh, it was really great, Brian. So uh, say hi to Jeff, um, uh, convey my uh, regards. So this is uh, Brian. Uh, CEO and co-founder of Advocado. Uh, so if you want to reach out to Brian, I will drop the uh, LinkedIn URLs in the descriptions below. Please do check uh, out and uh, reach him out. It's a very wonderful guy. You can learn a lot from him. You can always, uh, you know, reach out to him. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, sorry, I didn't take your permission, but uh, yes, I'm just doing all necessary things. So, and also do visit uh, Advocado website, which also I will just drop down the links below. So thank you. Uh, this has been a very wonderful show tonight with Brian. So I'm signing off and see you next time. Thank you. All right. Cheers. See you. Bye-bye.